Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. This is always one of my favorite podcasts, and I wish I could say of the year, but unfortunately, I don't get Brad on here like once every calendar year. We need to we need to change that, Brad. We need to just have a plan where every year, you know, maybe more than once a year, uh, we just get Brad on here, and that might actually end up happening because Brad has a very new role. Um, this is this kind of like your first media event since. Uh, since the new role, have you have you already been on some YouTube stuff and their podcast? Nope this is my this is my first first uh, podcast with uh, Big Woods Bucks. So I was a Big Woods Bucks team member. So that is awesome. That's a huge deal. Um, the I mean, if you were to say the top, and I know what I know about Big Woods Buck tracking, I know from Brad. Um, of course it has been getting out. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I think, um, I don't know, maybe five years ago, four or five years ago, Mark Kenyon did an episode on big woods buck tracking. And I remember when I listened, so he, he hosts the wired and hunt podcast. He's been on this podcast too, by the way, go back to episode 100 if you want to hear from Mark. Um, but I remember him describing it. And it just seemed so overwhelming to me because I was still a very new hunter at the time. It's like, man, I'm just trying to figure out this tree stand game. I can't imagine going off <laughs> into the woods like that and just following deer sign. But um, uh, so that was kind of like my first introduction to it. It's like, okay, this is a totally different thing. And I almost wonder if that would have been Hal Blood that he would have uh, interviewed for that. Either him or probably would it have been Larry Benoit maybe. Those are kind of the top two names in the in the buck tracking game, and uh, Brad uh, is is right up there with these guys. Of course, he hasn't been doing it for near as long as them. They've how many years of experience do you think those two have combined, Brad? I think they're over a hundred uh, years. Well, yeah, it'd be Lanny now. Uh, Larry passed probably I'm trying to think a few years ago now, um, in one of his sons' lane too. Um, oh really? So, I didn't realize that. That's too bad. Yeah, so you have, I mean, you got Lanny, you got Shane, uh, you got Landon still, um, and then between them and 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 like Hal, Hal Blood. I mean, geez, it's it, it, it's it's too much. Probably between all of them, probably like eighty years. But I know, I know that Hal's been doing it for at least probably at least forty plus years. So. Wow. That's in, that's yeah. insane. <clears throat> I can't uh, even I can't even imagine being dedicated to something that long. You know that shows you what it what it means to them. They don't get bored with it. No, no, it's it's an adventure every day. You, I, man, I every day. Is... Yeah, yep. Every day is different. That's and that's what we love when we're hunting. We love having those new experiences. And you know, I uh, recently um, uh, interviewed a guy who has probably been hunting deer for, well, I would guess, because he was born around it, I would guess he's probably been hunting deer for 50 years. And uh, he still does. 
but you could tell it had la- it had lost a lot of its luster to him. And he's in the heart of, you know, deer blinds and uh, tree stands and ground blinds and, you know, tower stands, all, all that stuff, you know, where it's all ambush style. And um, you could tell that it had lost some of its magic for him. And I hope that doesn't happen to me. I don't think it will because um, I like to combine some of the stuff that you guys do as much as I can here in Iowa where you know I'm reading sign I'm I'm uh trying to use woodsmanship where I can but at the end of the day you know it's still an ambush hunt most of the time so but yeah when you add that adventure aspect to it I mean man that is that is what like you said that's what keeps you coming back day after day when you're learning those new things so it, it's got to give you a tremendous sense of i don't know if the right word is accomplishment but maybe like like maybe i'll put it this way um i've said this before on the podcast when i was talking with noel gandy but uh, my coworker nicholas he um isn't a hunter he's tried hunting before he's been around it growing up he lives in rural iowa so he can't get too far away from it but he said uh one thing he envies about hunters is their confidence and uh, so he's, I mean, he's he's hung around me, but that's only one hunter. Where I think he really picked up on that is when we went up to Pheasant Fest for Pheasants Forever this year up in uh, Minneapolis. And there, you know, everybody's a hunter. And then we went to uh, the Iowa Deer Classic, and that was just as busy as Pheasant Fest, and everyone there is a hunter too. And so he, like, said that after interacting, you know, we had a booth there where we are trying to sell uh, – sell some of our uh our native seed and um it was it was an interesting way of putting it and i gotta think that when you guys are doing what you're doing like that level of confidence you feel in your abilities just you got to feel it all the time is that accurate yeah i mean i think if if you go in the woods and think you're not going to be successful it's just like a game if Mm. you're at football or whatever why why or wrestling why would you go to a match and think you're going to lose yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know that you're you're not going to win if you're not prepared. So we do everything to prepare ourselves as well. You know, we have you know, we we gain the experience, um we get the right equipment, we prepare ourselves um physically, mm-hmm. um by by knowing our area and, and being confident confident with that area and being confident if that area doesn't work out, we need to move to another area. And, and confidence is huge in, in the tracking game. Yeah. You ha- and, and one of the biggest things is you have to be confident that a, you're going to get out of the woods, no problem. And that deters a lot of people because I, when I get on a track, I'm not worried about where my truck is. You know, I just go. And, you know, I'm not looking at my GPS every three seconds. I'm not worried about where my truck is again. I'm just worried about where that buck's going. Mm-hmm. And will deter a lot of people because all of a sudden they're sweating it and being like, oh, man, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm too far away from my truck. And once your head is out of the game when it comes to tracking a deer in the big woods, you're done. You know, you, you can't be you can't be worried about what's going on at home. You can't be worried about where your truck is. You can't be. You have got to be. It's you and that deer, 
and I think I've told you this before, Kent, I look at it as, you know, especially those last 100 yards, and, I, and I'm, I'm right there. It's me versus him. Mm-hmm. And I look at uh, combat-minded where if he sees me first, I'm dead. So I have to see him first. And, and that takes a level of confidence. Uh, it's not that I'm going to get the deer every time, but you at least have to go in thinking you will. Um, and, and it takes years, you know, it, it, it's not like I just, you know, came out of the womb with confidence that I'm going to kill it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know yeah. it, was, it was looking up to guys, you know, um, first, like my father, him showing me the way, um, you know, reading about, you know, Hal and the Benoits and, and gaining that experience, you know, and, and I think it's foolish if you don't look up to other people, you don't have mentors. Yeah. And yeah. seek that you know and, and i don't know everything nobody really does you're learning all the time you know yeah. but um you know again you have to have that confidence or you, you will fail and you're going to fail anyway and you got to learn from your failures but again getting out in the woods and being prepared that's all going to increase your confidence you know your, your woodsmanship yeah, very well said. And I, I love that idea of being so singularly focused. You know, um, that's one of the curses of being a modern day hunter, I think. Um, not that, you know, you go back a thousand years and not that those people didn't have other concerns. I'm not saying that. But, right. you know, sometimes when I hear these stories about like, you know, well, I'm, I'm finishing up the book um, Undaunted Courage the story of Lewis and Clark and, you know, they'll be like, Oh, you know, today we shot, you know, three bison, nine deer and one elk, you know? And it's like, you hear that when people read that, like, man, those guys were such great hunters. But then when you like think to yourself, okay, now let's put that expedition in the context of today where you can only hunt on designated areas. Um, there's a lot of other people there hunting too. Not that, you know, there were, there were tons of native Americans living out West that were hunting right. as well, of course, but I bet you the popular, yeah, I know the population of, of today would, would far surpass that, you know, at that time. And yeah. then there's no rules. You can, you know, hunt them yeah. in the dark if you wanted You could, you could, uh, there's no season, you know? And, and so, it's hard to really replicate as, as romantic as I like to be about like, you know, feeling like I'm connecting with any ancestors of mine that may have hunted. Um, in reality, it's such a different context, but when you do something like what you're doing, where you're singularly focused and you're not thinking about, Oh, I got to get to those emails. Oh, I gotta, you know, I got this going on at work tomorrow. I mean, when it's just you and the deer, and this is your objective, that's when I think we can truly dip in a little bit to what our ancestors were experiencing. Otherwise, the context has shifted so much. You know, I I was listening to a great podcast today, um, very informational. And uh, the guy, I actually like his writing. Um, I've, I've read some of it, and he's very good. And this part came up in the conversation where they said um would you rather have uh 
you know, you know, those like quiet cats or rainbow bikes that are like the, the e-bikes that people use to, to get around he was like, would you rather have an e-bike or the amount of money that an e-bike is worth in trail cameras to help you during deer season? Because the guy said he liked both. And the guy said, oh, uh, the e-bike, no question, because it helps me, you know, move around quickly. I don't have to worry about sweating, you know, when I'm in my winter gear, getting to my stand. I don't have to, you know, I can get things done so, so much more efficiently. And that's all true, and that's fine. If that's what that guy likes, more power to him. But I, the thought just struck me. It's like, is hunting that separated from what, <laughs> from what it once was? You know what I mean? And to me, if somebody said, Kent, the only way, the only way you're going to kill a, we'll say a, you know, a 190, a giant buck, the only way you're going to kill that thing is if you're able to move around from, you know, tree to tree, getting on fresh sign on an e-bike, I'd say, keep the 190. <laughs> I'll take the, you know, I'll take the, the 130 that I worked hard for, you know, that I had to, I had to you know, walk in there a ways or, or whatever, you know, that physical effort side of it, I think is so critically important to fully understanding the worth of hunting. I mean, I I assume you agree with that based on what you do to get a deer. Oh yeah. It's the adventure. I mean, it, 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 that's what it's all about. You know, uh, you know, it can suck sometime. You're maybe you're looking at that brook and you're like, man, it's cold and I'm about Mm -hmm. to get, you know, yep. And up, where it sucks at that time but you're always going to remember it and then you get that buck at the end of the you know another mile or two later and it was all worth it down you know at the end of the um you know anything can go wrong you know maybe your truck gets stuck maybe you know i I don't know something you know but all part of the hunt um yeah it's the adventure you know the drag yeah you know people Look at us and they're like, why do you drag, you know, 200 pound bucks out of the woods? Because it's traditional. Yeah. Yep. You know, there's no other explanation for it. And it's all part of the adventure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Yep. And, and, and just me personally, I wouldn't leave a deer in the woods. Yeah. So when I go in the woods, I have what I need in my, in my gear to stay the night with that buck if I have to. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know, even though we hunt deer, we're conservationists, right? And yep. we care about the deer and I don't want to waste that resource to a, to a coyote, mm-hmm. you know, and not to mention, it's something I worked hard for, Yeah, you know? Um, so that's me, kind of me, if you will, corny or not, kind of honoring that deer, staying with him until I get him out of the woods. Yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, one thing I've kind of noticed too is, I think, you know, this is me theorizing here again. I think there's some kind of like statistical link somewhere for all sorts of different things. Like, uh, you know, just the way, you know, a lot of things we, we write down as coincidence. It's like, if you really were to look at all the different mathematical, you know, factors that the chance, the, the, the odds of something happening when a, B and C are put together, 
like you would just find that that those odds are more in your favor of of a certain outcome. Sorry, that was mm-hmm. kind of convoluted. But one of those things that I think is is that falls into line with that is the more I suffer when I hunt, that and that suffering comes from pushing pushing the limits. Yeah. I am rewarded more. And I'm not just talking like you know, I come back, man, that was such a brutal day, but boy, did I, boy, did I, uh, you know, feel good. It, it was a great workout. I'm talking, I get a shot opportunity that I yep. would not have had, had I not done it that way. And I mean, it just, it happens so frequently. I found, you know, one of the biggest crutches I had to get rid of when I was first starting to hunt is I, I like to ride a four wheeler in pretty close to where I'd hunt. I was yeah. like, you know what? I think this four wheeler. I didn't know yet because I just knew that most guys. You know, I was a new hunter. Most guys use four wheelers. I must need a four wheeler. I'm gonna drive it in close to where I'm gonna hunt because that's what most guys do. Well, then I started thinking, like, man, I think this four wheeler is kind of scaring deer away. Uh, I'm gonna just huff it, and yeah. and you know what? I start seeing more deer. You know, uh, last year on my bear hunt in uh, Northwest Montana, the weather was really miserable. And, um, uh, my buddy and I, we were like, you know what? Most people are, you know, do a fair bit of road hunting on these logging roads, which is understandable when on the bears, just, they, they just go away when it's raining. They don't come out. They're like us. And so people get on the logging roads, try and cover a lot of terrain just to see if they can see anything. And I get it. But, uh, this one day we're like, you know what? The weather's going to be pretty decent today. There's this big snow pile that's covering up this logging road. Nobody's going up there. As far as we can tell, we're going to hike through that snow and we're going to get up there. And sure enough, I I unfortunately missed my bear. And uh, my buddy two hours later tagged his bear. And so had we not pushed it, you know, past what most other people were willing to do, and there was quite a few people in that national forest hunting. Um, we would have never, we would have never gotten it. So I think, you know, there, there's a way you can say like where comfort and hunting success line up is not frequent. You know, th- those things just generally don't go together. I always, I've always said you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm, yep. You know, I mean, if you're not, if you're up here, if you're, only willing to go out on those perfect days, yep. you know, um, man, you, it's going to be, your chances are slim. Right. You know, just got to get that, get out there, get after it. I've shot, I've shot a lot of deer on, you know, those crunchy cornflake conditions, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, it's not all tracking in the snow. I mean, cause you gotta do, you gotta make do with what you have. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably where that math, you know, that hidden math, whatever those odds are, you know, if you're willing to tough it out, your your math automatically ticks more in your favor because you're out there more often, you know, and you're going to be, your, your odds go up when you're putting more hours into it. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, that's one of the things I love the most about what you guys do, but you know, all your, your toughness and I can see it in you and I can see it in your son, Owen, who I follow on, uh, Instagram. Um, and the little bit that I've heard about your dad, I'm sure he's the same way. Uh, 
I got to think it's tied a little bit to your family history in the military. Um, part of the 82nd airborne, right. In the, in the army. Um, yep. Can you, uh, just talk a little bit about your family history with that? Like how, why the 82nd and, and how did that all come to be and where did it start and all that? Um, so it was actually my, um, my great uncle. He was, uh, in the 82nd, then he became, um, uh, a green beret. Wow. And, yeah. And then he went to Vietnam and he was killed in action in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That Sorry was that. And, uh, he was a silver star recipient. Um, my other uncle, um, my dad's two brothers, one was a crew chief, um, on a helicopter, obviously. And then the other, his oldest brother, Henry was in the 101st airborne. So he's got his jump wings and he was a silver star recipient. Um, and then my dad, uh, joined to go to Vietnam, but he was the first airborne class to to graduate and not get deployed. Oh, oh, oh. He was pretty bummed about it. I'm not, because maybe I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. But he got a lot of jumps in. Um, that was back when airborne school was a lot tougher, too, I will admit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so he was our artillery in the 82nd Airborne. Um, and then I was looking to get in. My big thing was I wanted to get my Ranger tab. So I went in, the, went in, got to the 82nd Airborne Division, and went to Ranger School. Um, it's There's no other way to put it. It's a suck fest. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely learn to, uh, to be com- uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I can so, only imagine. Yeah, yeah, especially with no sleep and no food. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, and then I went to Iraq. Um, I got I got hit in an enemy ambush uh, by IED, mm. and eventually uh, put out because of uh, medical. And then, um, and then my son joined the 82nd Airborne. Um, he's infantry, and he's there currently right now. He gets out in probably about a year. So okay, yeah. That's that is such a cool family history there, and thank you so much for your service. And sorry to hear about the ID. I'm so glad it was uh, something you survived, though. And, yeah, what um, it is, right? Yep, that's right. On behalf of the podcast and everyone listening, you know, just thank you to you and your family for all the service you've done. Um, my cousin Brian, he was uh, he was probably in Iraq at about the same time uh, you were. Uh, he was in the Marine Corps, and he was over there. And uh, I think so. Initial invasion was in '03, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's when I was over there. Yep. So he would have been over there with you, and uh, yeah. Um, then I think he went back in like '04 and '05. Man, he ended up doing three, three tours over there. But uh, man, what you know? I, I think it'll probably get more. How do I say this? I think it'll probably get more of the attention it's due, you know, 50 years from now. And people are looking back at history books. You know, I think sometimes when this stuff, unless it's like a really, really, you know, on your home turf, September 11th type of thing, Pearl Harbor type of thing. I think, you know, a lot of us tend to forget about what all the people around us have 
have gone through, especially when it comes to veterans. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that was, that was a really hard time for, for, uh, a lot of people that were just kind of like an age class above me, of course, it was still going on when I was, you know, when I was graduating high school and, um, oh, yeah. you know, there's, I had classmates that ended up, you know, going over either there or Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just a good reminder to hear from guys like you and guys like my cousin, Brian, uh, just what well, you guys had to sacrifice to, you know, to keep our country safe and, and free. So, very big thank you to to you guys and you know it's fun seeing your your son go through it you guys i hope my son has shares my like my interests as much as it seems your son shares yours and it looks like your uh young, it's your youngest son right is uh the the one you're kind of bringing out into the woods now yeah um looks like he's kind of following in your footsteps too a little bit that's got to be that's got to be a pretty awesome feeling it is, and it is. And what's fun about it too is just watching their the different personalities. You know, Alden's a little bit more laid back, you know, um, and he's just kind of soaks it up, takes it in. Owen's very aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, so they they would probably have two different, you know, hunting mentalities. Um, both both, um, if not balanced, wouldn't work. You know, if you're yeah. way too, won't work. If you're way too, you know, kind of non not nonchalant but passive, it won't work. So you got to have that balance, and they'll learn that. You know, yeah. hopefully, they learn that together. Yeah. You know, um. So, but it's a lot of fun. You know, just watching. You know, you know, just seeing them learn. You know. Yeah. And, so we have a lot of fun, <laughs> definitely. That's good. I think that's what keeps them coming back is when they are having fun, you know, and in a way that's a little bit more controllable, I think with, uh, tracking because the more you put into it, the better your odds are. And that's true too with tree stand hunting. But when you're, when you're just choosing to be in one spot, you know, it's the, a lot more is on the deer than uh, when you're saying, you know what, we're going to find this thing and we're going to do whatever it takes to find this thing. Then you can almost, if, if you got a kid that you've raised up to be tough enough and to have that drive, you know, like almost that goal driven motivation, which you have done clearly with your kids, then you can take them to that fun. You know what I mean? Whereas if I'm yeah. sitting in a tree stand for, two days with my son Jonas well <laughs> you might you might be you might have all the best intentions and best scent control in the world but if that deer doesn't decide to walk by the tree you know he's not he's gonna view hunting as pretty boring so I think it's awesome that that you've been able to do that through tracking and everything else but deer deer are far from the only thing and we always joke about this whenever we do a podcast I'm, I'm blowing the the cover a little bit here on uh New England, specifically New Hampshire, turkeys everywhere. And uh, it is it is wild to me every time I go out there how many turkeys I see. Um, oh, yeah. I saw I saw you guys uh, post a few gobblers, though, this spring. How would you guys do? Yeah, we did we did pretty well. Um, yeah, Alden got a nice one. I think it was, I think he had 18 pounds, but he had some good hooks on him. It was like an inch and an eighth. Wow, spring. that's awesome. Uh, like a nine inch beard, I believe. 
Very good. My father was 19 pounds. Um, these were inch and a half furs and like a 10 inch beard. Very nice. I say I win. I don't go by the turkey. <laughs> go by the old New England standard. What weighs more? Mine is not. Of course, my father will say he won, though, you know, but. Uh, yours weighed yours weighed 19 and a half you said yeah 19 and a half yeah but he did have you know he, i think i had an inch and an eighth spurs um but a shorter beard though yeah shorter beard that's so. a, that's awesome are you guys only allowed uh one bird a season or are you allowed multiple uh so we're allowed um two birds in the spring but if you get or two birds a year, so if you get two birds in the spring, you can't get one in the fall. Okay. But you can get one in the spring and just choose to get one in the fall. Sure. So you guys like to hunt them in the fall too, then? Uh, I I usually don't. I just don't have the time to. I'm yeah. usually stalker then. Mm-hmm. So, and then, um, you know, just preparing for deer season. Yeah, I like to shoot a lot. That's yeah. usually when I most because it's just more comfortable it's not hot yeah yeah Yeah. definitely yep i'm the same way summer is uh summer is my least favorite season i i can't stand the heat i like i'd much rather it be winter than summer but but you gotta make new when you can so i try and get out and do a little fishing but no, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys had a good turkey season i i really want to go up there and hunt turkey sometime i finally um you know that's kind of been the I guess you'd say the left behind season for me a little bit here in Iowa. You know, I go really hard after whitetails and then uh, that rolls pretty much right into shed season. As you well know, I'm obsessed with finding uh, antlers. So I, I put in a ton of miles every spring looking for antlers. And so then by the time, by the time Turkey season rolls around being a family man, it's like, okay, I better, I better scale back a little bit, but I get out, you know, usually, usually a couple times. And this year I just really committed myself to try and figure this thing out. And it worked. I finally got my first Turkey and, and, uh, felt so good to piece all that together. I, I, when I, I called my dad, which is interesting because the name of this podcast is first gen hunter. You know, I didn't grow up hunting with my dad, but that is one thing we've done now for three years in a row. He, uh, owns a farm, uh, uh, here in Iowa and, um, for the past three springs, he and my son joined me on like a overnight trip to his farm to, to hunt turkeys. And this year we had a hen come up within, you know, it was like 15 yards, but it was a hen. So, but it was like, we called, we called her in from, like 500 yards away we had decoys out she liked the decoys and by some miracle uh the three of us didn't spook her off and so like then when i you know that got all of us fired up right so then the next weekend i kill my turkey and the first first person i call is my dad and i told him i was like this is probably my biggest accomplishment as a hunter just because you know i had to do it all on my own and and uh it was it was fun doing it that way, you know. It's super satisfying. So, no, I I love turkey se- uh, season now, but uh, you know, b- 
Big Woods Bucks is what we're mainly going to talk about tonight. <laughs> that is uh, that is uh, the main topic. And um, just how did your this past deer season go for you guys? Um, you know, I, I got a I got a decent buck in New Hampshire. Um, we just didn't have ideal conditions um, for a lot of the season, you know. Um, so we had those, those crunchy cornflake conditions, not a mm. lot of, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, it's always fun, but it was, it definitely made things more challenging. So, you know, had a great year hunting. Um, one of the coolest things though, this year, um, that's never happened to me before is I've never heard that the buck growl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard that this year. So that was awesome. I couldn't even believe I heard it cause I only seen it like, you know, on your, you know, your, your shows or whatever, if you're watching, you know, the stand hunters and they're doing, you know, I don't know, those, all those shows, um, you know, internet. And then when I heard it, I saw the doe, heard the doe blow. I couldn't see him. I had no idea he was there. Um, and I just hear that and he kept doing it. it was like three or four times i'm like get out of here so <laughs> that actually believe it or not made my year that was that was super cool yeah. uh, the other thing super cool is um again my father was around when i shot this buck um so that was that was awesome so yeah that's that's really cool being able to share those moments and and then just to see deer being deer you know, I gotta say the same. Now, when when you say growl, is that like uh, is that a regional term for grunt, or are you talking more like when they're grunting over and over again in like a yeah. series? Yeah, I've heard it called the growl. Um, we always call them a grunt too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through the words, I use my grunt too a lot. Um, but there's a there's a term called the butt growl. And you just hear kind of you know that just like that. It's that grunt. It's kind of long, you know, kind of low, and then it kind of picks up. You know, deer grunt different ways. Sure. Uh, but it's very. I anyway have never heard. I've heard bucks grunt quite a bit. I've never heard this before. I've only seen it like on YouTube or yeah, TV. yeah. But it was it was pretty cool, and it lasted for. I was actually how long they do it for um i thought it would just be kind of like a (laughs) it went on for quite a while um so yeah that's cool it's i you know to be honest with you i haven't really heard much grunting even while i've been hunting and then this year i was i think it was the night before i killed my buck this year i went out and kind of hunted this I just had a few minutes after work and I got, you know, I just basically ran to this stand that was kind of a satellite stand that I could get to within legal light before the deer really started moving around. And this like little forky came by and he was, I don't know if I'd say he was growling, but he was close. He was just grunting up storm. He's like, Hey, you know, Hey everybody, I'm here. I'm the biggest buck right here right now. You know, and he's just this little forky and he was just grunt grunting up a storm and it was the same thing like you said it's like this is so cool i've never i've never seen anything like this you know and 
I almost think when you, you do witness stuff like that, that's when like, that's like a milestone for number of hours you've put into it, you know, like, absolutely. Yeah. You got to be there to see it, you know? Yeah. More time in the woods, more things you're going to see. I mean, even if it's not a deer, it could be a fisher cat, could be more moose Mm. sighting, could be anything, right? Yeah. I've also heard it called a buck roar. So buck roar, buck grunt, you know, whatever. But definitely more than your little tiny grunt, that little rap, 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 rap. That's what I usually do um, if I if I use my grunt tube in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just subtle grunts. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that is it, so cool that you witnessed that man. Yeah. It is. I thought I had it on video too. And so I'm like in that video, I'm just like, yeah, he's doing it right there. So I'm trying to mimic, I've never run into it. So I just figure, well, I'm just going to try to mimic what he's doing. And sure enough, he did it again. It's hard to hear. All you can really hear is the doe just blowing. <laughs> um, of course, you can hear that from a mile away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She, she was looking right at me, stomping her feet, blowing. And then I couldn't see him, but you could just hear him. Brrr. And he's like, oh, man, please, please just come out. Because I'm in this <laughs> little, little bog that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is really cool. Really, really cool. I, I remember the first time I heard a buck uh, snort wheeze. It was well, like that's what I that's what that sound is. Yeah, you know? and um, it's I was just gonna say that too. Looking back, you know, twenty twenty hindsight, you know, I should have probably threw a snort wheeze at him. Hmm. You know, I mean that maybe that would have irritated him enough to, to investigate you know, what type of a buck I was, but yeah. Oh, well, it is what it is, right? Yep. That's right. You know, uh, I, I really think that, um, Remy Warren, I don't know if you follow Remy Warren at all. Um, I don't know, man, is he the best hunter on the planet right now? I don't know. Probably some guy we've never heard of is, but, but Remy Warren is a special hunter. I mean, that guy is unreal. This whole last year, he had, I guess he had some kind of arm surgery or hand, like wrist surgery. Um, Actually, I know what happened now. I I listened to this on his podcast. Um, I think it's called Live Wild. I think it's his podcast now. But um, anyways, he talked about it. He said he uh, was uh, duck hunting, and he had shot a duck. And you know how, like... The best way I can describe it is, did you ever play or throw shot put like in high school for track and field or anything like that? Uh, I've seen it. Okay. When you, so I, I threw shot put in high school one year. I just did one year of track in high school. And, um, when you would see that shot put, even though that thing, I think in high school, they weighed 12 pounds, even though, you know, that thing weighs 12 pounds, it just looks like this big ball floating through the air. It's like, I could catch that, you know, and then (laughs) You just have to trust your coach's horror stories of what happens if you try to catch a shot put. Well, I think that's kind of what happened to Remy. He shoots this duck, and it's like falling right into his blind. And he's like, oh, I'll just catch that. you know. Yeah. But it's like that thing falling from you know, 7,500 feet up in the air, and it yeah. weighs two or three pounds, you know? And it just like bent his his wrist back, I guess, really far and just like, 
just totally destroyed all those tendons there in his wrist. Uh, and uh, he said on his podcast that when he finally went in to see like an orthopedic surgeon, um, his surgeon was like, your injuries are consistent with somebody who has fallen from like a height of 10 to 15 feet and like tried oh. to catch themselves on their hands. And so anyways, all that to say, Remy Warren then teaches himself to shoot his bow with a mouth tab and then goes out and I think he tagged, didn't he? I think he got an elk and a mule deer doing spot and stock with a mouth tab on his, on his recurve. The, the guy, the guy is insane. You Love know that. what I mean? But he, he yep. talked about, so, so this is, this is just a roundabout way to say something that relates to what you were talking about there with sometimes you got to try and just be the animal in a way, you know, like, okay, what is he saying? When this buck is roaring like this, what is he communicating and how do I communicate back? Well, Remy on another podcast that he used to have, um, he said this one time he was calling to this, this bull elk that was just kind of like this buck you're talking about where he is just fired up, but he won't, like he can't get this kind of like what you were saying. You couldn't ju- just get this buck to like come out of the the edge so you could get a shot. He couldn't do the same thing for this this elk. And so what he did was, well, I know they like to you know pee all over the ground and mark their territory. What if I simulate that? So he takes his Nalgene bottle, undoes the lid, and then just from like you know five feet up in the air starts trickling that that out sounded like a elk taking a leak. And he said that triggered him. That got that bull to just be like, Oh, not here, not in my house. And he, yeah. <laughs> he comes over and just, just drills this elk because, because he figured that out. It's like, you're so right. You know, when we hear that stuff, you got to kind of just run through your mind. Okay. What's he communicating here? How do I do that? But I mean, hindsight 2022, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know that in the heat of the moment. And, and, uh, especially with deer where those encounters kind of feel like they're 10 minutes long, but in reality, they're like 10 seconds long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So, uh, you know, as we started this out, Brad is now, so you probably know Brad from White Mountain Buck Trackers. Still one of my favorite hats, by the way. I wear that hat all the time. Um, I, I, uh, I think I might have, no, I wasn't, I wasn't wearing it when I killed my buck this year, but I think I wore it on my way to the taxidermist. But uh, it's, my, it's one of my all-time favorite hats. Super comfortable, just a cool hat. It starts a lot of great conversations. Had a conversation with a guy. Right after I shot that buck, I was uptown, I was wearing your hat, and this guy was standing in line at this restaurant right in front of me. He's like, oh, White Mountain Buck Trackers? What's that? And I, so I explained what you guys did, did, and he's like, wow, somebody hunts like that? That's incredible. You know, it's this uh, like older guy who has been around hunting his whole life, and he just never had heard of that because he's from the Midwest. But anyways, so Brad has gone from White Mountain Buck Trackers and he has become a team member of Big Woods Bucks, um, started by the legendary Hal Blood. Can you just describe to us a little bit, Brad, about what that phone call felt like? Man, it was, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's its kind of like getting called up to the big leagues. Um, so I got a call 
from, let's say, one of the bosses. Yep. <laughs> and and as soon as it came over, because I've, I've had previous conversations with them in the past, um, so I get that. Well, actually, I had a call, and I'm you know everybody wants to get your uh, you know get your your car warranty right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting bad calls too. It's like, come on, I'm 43. Yeah. So I, I hear the I hear the phone call, and I'm just like, I'm not answering. It's probably one of those stupid Medicare or you know what you want a new warranty <laughs> car. But it was like 9:30, and I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check it out, and name popped up and i'm like i better answer it so <laughs> yeah so uh i had the conversation and um immediately i think they said they thought i was gonna you know think about it for a little bit well i already knew my answer and they were i think they were a little surprised that i answered so quickly yeah. so but it was dude it was it's you know it's a dream come true um Everybody there is great. You know, how the crew, I can't, the name of them all is, you know, right, right now would be probably impossible, but they're, they're, they've all treated me like a family member and it is like a family. It's a hunting family. Um, you get humbled very quickly because you are with such great hunters, you know, yeah. you, Hal, you got Rick Labby. You know, you got the Shanzies, uh, the Sheerans, you've got uh, Ben Allen. I mean, there's so many, you know, yeah. um, Jeff, Jeff Paradis, uh, Joe Cruzy. There's just so many, you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to learn a lot. Um, like I told you before, we do, I, I don't know everything and I don't think any of these guys do either. Um, so we all kind of pull information from each other. Yeah. Uh, just, it, w- what's really cool about it is that you're, it's like-minded people. Mm-hmm. They think 24 seven too, like I do. Not many people do. Some people yeah. may think crazy if you do, you know, I mean, I have some other friends that, you know, they hunt here and there and they probably get, you know, uh, oh, Willie's going to start talking about deer hunting again, you know? Right. <laughs> and, yep. But these guys don't, you know, and, and that's what's really cool. And you're just, you know, it's, it's just, it's really cool to be part of something that's that's this big, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all about the, the entertainment value of it and the educational piece, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, promoting hunting, um, getting youth involved. Um, another, another big piece of it, too, is... Um, you know the, the they sell wool gear, um, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, wool coats, it they're like dude, they're. I've worn different wool coats. This is like the best wool coat around. Oh man, yeah, I, yeah. I think I know what I'm going to be asking my in-laws for for Christmas now. <laughs> Got it, man. Yeah, and I've been in some nasty weather, and this this stuff is top-notch, made in the USA, designed by Hunter, by oh. trackers. Um, we also sell, uh, have packs designed by hunters again, you know, and, and what's cool is we're not promoting something we wouldn't use, yeah. you know, you see that a lot nowadays and, 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 you know, throughout the country and it's just like, would you really use that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Right. You know? 
Yeah, it's it, this, it's a good point. Yep, yep. Um, they just and they're. It's just it's crazy to be part of something so big to see it kind of like it, it really shocks you. Like when I had my small business, and I still do, and I'm just like, wow, this is actually this is the real deal. Yeah. So they have a great podcast, uh, Big Woods Bucks podcast. That's that's a big hit. You have to check that out. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah, it's just it's it's like a big family. It's the best way to explain it. So well, I'm very. I- I love that they I love that they brought you on. I think it's only appropriate that they did. Um especially as far as representing New Hampshire goes, you know, I think uh there's they'd be hard pressed to find somebody as passionate about doing what they do in New Hampshire. Um but I will say this. <clears throat> I've been amazed by the hunting uh culture in New Hampshire. It's just been uh uh, you know, you don't really think of New Hampshire as a hunting state, but when I, every time I go there, I, you know, I see the bumper stickers and the window stickers and then meeting guys like you and then uh, just uh, uh, seeing people on social media and stuff. And there is a really strong hunting uh, culture that's quite different from the Midwest, but I like it. I like how nuanced it is and how much tradition is within it. And, uh, you know, from like the wool coats to the, you know, the kind of the wool coats and, and blue jeans kind of look, you know, it's just so the stormy chromers and, and all, all that stuff that goes into what, it, what New England deer hunting is, is just so cool to me. So I think it's, I think it's really exciting that you're a part of that team and I'm excited to tune in and I'm excited to get a new hat too. I'm going to be getting a big woods bucks hat. You got to get one of these, man. That's right. That's right. I will for sure. Got to represent my buddy Brad up there. But, you know, we could probably go over some tracking basics, but we got to be cognizant of your time there. You're on the the eastern seaboard, so you're uh, it's an hour later there for you. But if you want to hear those, you can go back and listen to the earlier episodes. I don't remember what they are off the top of my head. Um, I want to say your first episode, that would have been January. It was I think it was New Year's Day. I think it was uh, New Year's night on, uh, we had this big ice storm and that was coming out of 2020 and when we were like, oh, it's so glad it's 2021, 2020 was so terrible. And then we get slammed with this ice storm on the first day of 2021. But uh, so I think that probably would have been around episode like 30, 30. 30, what did you say it was? Maybe 39. That was the one that was sticking out in my head, too. I think it is 39. So you can go back and listen to that one. And then uh, around Easter time of 22, I think it was. Yeah, Easter of 22, I think. Um, you can uh, go and uh, uh, listen to that one. And that number, whew, that's got to be in the 70s, 80s, something like that. So definitely go and check out those other two episodes. Brad does a great job explaining what all goes into tracking. Um, You know, one of the things, though, and you're kind of talking about this with your new group where you guys can bounce ideas off each other. I think to myself, man, this has to be such a challenging way to hunt that I got to think, you know, unless you have a really good mentor Somebody getting into it is probably going to come up empty time and time again, year after year. But eventually, all of a sudden, after all that school of hard knocks education that they get, it clicks for them. And, 
And when it does, they're a good hunter by that point because they've had to work so hard to get to that point. So then I started wondering, well, how does somebody improve then? Like, how do you, you know, for tree stand hunting, for instance, like I'm in the phase now where, you know, I can, I can, uh, get on deer pretty regularly. Um, but there's still like a long ways for me to go and, you know, making those, those adjustments from morning to evening, you know, hunts or maybe just picking a slightly better tree, maybe, um, you know, whatever it is. Like I, I, I can see how I can improve, but when you're a big wood buck tracker, you know, how, like what kinds of things do people do to improve as a tracker? I think, I think one of the biggest things is there's, there's many disciplines to it. Uh, one of the biggest things is, um, first of all, you got to get out there. So, um, just learning to have that determination, you know, regardless, like we talked about before, the weather, you got to learn to just suck it up and just be like, I'm, I'm heading out there. Yeah. Uh, other things too, uh, that you need to work on, um, are aging a track, you know, um, and that's something that people can get rusty on too, if they just haven't tracked in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, maybe the conditions haven't been the greatest, but um, shooting is another one. Uh, I do a, I do a lot of shooting. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. Um, physical condition, keeping yourself in shape. If you're going to go miles and miles, I mean, mm-hmm. from um, Big Woods last year, I think he did 12 miles one day and the next day 16 and shot a big buck <sighs> and then dragged that big buck out. So that's, you know, that's what, 26, 27 miles in one day. So you got to be in shape, you know. Um, So those are always something you can improve. Um, And then I'm always reading. I'm always, you know, I always read my my Hellblood books, my Benoit books, you know, and and, uh, R.G. Bernier, you know, and it's, you're just keeping yourself fresh. Yeah, you've maybe read that. I've read the same books over and over and over again, but I want to retain it or remind myself of it, remind myself that those methods have worked in the past. Don't doubt them, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so constantly throughout the year, I'm always doing something, maybe improving my gear, you know? Um, you know, uh, I can't think of anything else. Well, it, it all, that all makes, that all makes a, a ton of sense. And, um, you know, especially the, the stand in shape and the shooting side of that, um, that's, that's going to be the part that, that is, you know, kind of obvious when you think about it, when you really think about it, that's where you really got to put in that work is, okay, when you get to that moment of truth, you're going to be able to drag this thing out of there. Are you even going to be able to get the shot off? You know, uh, I love the target practice routine that you guys do where you have the, uh, buck, a target on the, uh, zip line and you guys send that thing running through the woods at about the speed that a, a deer would go. And you get very real life practice trying to hit that yep. thing. That is, that is so, uh, smart and clever that you guys came up with that. That is, that is a lot of fun. 
Um, I can tell you now that um, um, I've designed, I got something in the works with Big Woods Bucks, and we've did, I've designed something. Okay. And it's going to be coming out soon. So look out, look on uh, Big Woods Bucks website for it. It'll be there on uh, the in the shop, and uh, I will tell you right now you'll be you'll be pleased with it. <laughs> I'm excited so, to see what that is, man. That's so cool. Yeah, and that... again, something you know that we promote because we would use it. Yeah, and I do use this, but I haven't. I I've made this because I wanted to improve what I used to use. Okay. So, that's all I'm going to throw out there. So you got to look on Big Woods Bucks uh, website for it. Um, should be out soon. We're going to have a promo video on it. So you'll also be able to see it in the works. And um, it should be, I'm guessing, available. Chris Dalty, my, one of my bosses, he might, he might scold me for this. <laughs> but I'm just going to say hopefully it will be available by early July, at the latest late July. Very cool. So uh, keep your eye out for that. If you're uh, tuning into this, make sure you get over to the Big Woods Bucks uh, website and also follow them on Instagram if you aren't and follow Brad as well. Uh, we'll give you that information here in a second. I still got some more questions though for, for Brad. So I, I wonder with this and, you know, it kind of made me think of this is Hal is going to be featured here very soon. If he, I don't think it's out yet. Donnie Vincent's uh, latest film that he's been working on um, yep. was his main moose that he uh, uh, now how did that work he, did Donnie draw that tag or did because you can uh, gift tags right um, for for moose in Maine and New Hampshire maybe I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know about Maine I, when it comes to moose hunting. Mm -hmm. I, I've never shot a moose, um, so I don't know. I don't know all the rules and stuff like that. Certainly, those guys know it. I mean, that's their job. They, right, they yeah. die. Yeah, that, that's just one of the most – I mean, it's – that's – most people probably don't think of it this way because they don't think of the East Coast as a destination place for hunting. They should, um, yeah. but West just gets West just overshadows everything really, other than whitetails in the Midwest. Um, but uh, the Maine and New Hampshire, for that matter, uh, I'm not sure if Vermont gives out any moose tags, but for yeah, sure Maine, Maine, they do. Okay, yeah. so Maine especially because they have so much wilderness in the northern part of the north woods part of the state yeah. um that tag is just so coveted people want to go to maine to hunt a moose it's just such a such a cool opportunity and so donnie vincent did that and how blood was his guide and um i think that video you know so donnie vincent makes all those films they're, they're great you should uh, definitely watch them if you're listening to this um, I don't think that film has been released yet, though. Um, so maybe it has. I, I'm not. I, I I should double check. But Hal is, I know, a part of that. I remember seeing on social media some posts, and I think he even shared some like little teasers of the film uh, coming out. And uh, you could see Hal there. But that's the kind of guy Hal Blood is. When Donnie Vincent 
gets a tag. You know, he's calling how. But it made me wonder, are those a lot of the same approach, you know, to hunt moose? Are, are you know, does the buck tracking translate over pretty much? You know, obviously you got to do some different calling stuff. You're going to be hunting a little bit different habitat probably. Um, but is it very similar? Um, you know, I, I would say it's it's pretty similar. You know, back in the day, you used to be able to moose hunt, just you know, just travel logging roads all the time. And, um, you know, talking to the guys in, at Big Woods, it's it's changed quite a bit. They're, they're more off the road now, you know. Mm. So you, you can't just ride around your pickup truck and, and try to locate you actually gotta you gotta get out there and you have to get after it just like you lose a deer you know mm-hmm. so uh, it still takes the same principles of, of being you know being silent in the woods being a good shot you know um and shoot shoot till they're down really is um important when it comes to moose yeah don't just take one shot and think that think that he, you know i did a great shot and it's gonna go down that is a large animal. You shoot till he's down. Yeah. And everyone tell you the same. Yeah. So, that's good advice. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, one of the things I've heard this about elk, I don't, I don't know if I've heard about moose before, but I'm sure it applies is, you know, how long legged those animals are and how much ground they can cover in no time. Um, oh, yeah. so if that, you know, to your point, you shoot a, moose think you uh you know put it in the boiler room and he takes off running for 20 seconds well he could cover several hundred yards in that time and uh the woods in new england are thick and so he could be he could be way gone so that's it that's a good point very good as a deer yeah yeah yep Yep, for sure. Now, here's another thing I often wonder for you guys. So, um, when it comes to, like, and I know how you, you guys use the size of a track, that that's such a critical piece of information for you guys on, you know, hey, is this the kind of buck we want to follow? But I also know that New England is, you know, they're known for, hey, if you want to kill a giant buck, you know, it's going to be tougher to do that here because there's not a ton of giant bucks around, you know. Yeah. When you go into some seasons, is it just really hard to cut a mature buck track? Just, I mean, like you're finding other tracks, but you're just yeah. like, man, I'm, all I'm finding are small tracks. Well, is it's it, like last season we didn't have a lot of snow, mm. you know. So unless you have a really wet day and, you know, you can really see those deep impressions in the leaves, you know, fresh impressions and, you know, good, a good wide stance in those tracks. Yeah. Um, good. Um, yeah, it's, it can be tough, you know, and you got to travel where the snow is to find those, those big guys too, you know, if you're going to do some tracking. So yeah, yeah it'd be frustrating for sure. Um, but, you know, again, that's all that's all part of it and it just makes the the uh, end game if you're successful just yeah so so what do you do then if you're like get out and you're like man i see a lot of tracks here they're all small would that still get you like following those tracks because you're like well there are quite a few tracks here so chances are i get in there 
you know, couple miles, there's going to be a big one in there somewhere. Or are yeah, you so like, the, you know what, get back in the truck. We got to go look, check another area. No, I mean, where I hunt too, you know, I don't get to use my vehicle a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm so doing a lot of my scouting with my feet. So what I'll do is um, I'll certainly, if I there's no other, no other tracking site and I just, I'm moving, you know, and just really just hauling butt through the woods just to find a track because I got snow and a big track. If it comes to, you know, getting, we're getting later in the day here around 10 or 11 o'clock, I'm going to take one of those smaller tracks because more than likely he's going to take me to where more deer are, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, I will certainly follow a smaller track to try to find a bigger track. That's interesting. That's, that's really good information there. I don't know why I never asked you that, but that is, that's a great little point there. And, uh, also kind of goes back, you know, full circle in this conversation, you got to show up like a winner, you know, like you use the example of going into a wrestling match or a football game, you know, you can't go in there being like, Oh, I hope I don't get killed. You know, you gotta, you gotta be going in there with, you know, that confidence of, and that, that goes into that. Hey, there's deer here. I'm going to, there's going to be more and there's going to be an opportunity for the kind of buck that I'm after. So yeah, that's, that's great advice there. Um, so if, you know, if, uh, somebody was brand new to this, how, how would you recommend they get started? Obviously they got to put in the time, you know, being in physical shape and, you know, you know, being proficient with their weapon and, and, um, even, uh, having some good like survival skills. Cause like you said, you may have to spend a night out in the woods or something. If you follow a track in far enough, um, let's say they get all that down. They're a good boy scout, but yep. they don't have the hunting experience. They might have the knowledge to maybe be watching, you know, maybe reading the same books you talked about or watching, you know, the big woods bucks, YouTube channel. They're, they're getting a lot of that good information They listen to this podcast. how, do you recommend they start out? Do they just go to their local national forest and start scouting? I mean, what's the, what's the best way to get into it? I mean, what you just said is the best way to do it. You know, do your homework, do your mm. research. You're, you got, you got interested somehow. Was it reading a book? Was it watching, you know, one of our videos or something or both, you know, so right there, all of a sudden you're getting, you're getting the itch a little bit. And, um, so you, you know, learn, learn from those, you know, also get a mentor, maybe, you know, get somebody that, you know, that's willing to, that doesn't mind taking you, you know, and yeah. learn from them. Double teaming is what I call it when we take a track, you know, Alden does that with me. So he's learning while he's on the track, you know, um, sure. I, I, that's how I, I learned. I learned from my father that way. We double teamed, you know, since I was a young guy, you know? Um, but yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, don't be afraid to to get out there. You're certainly not going to get them on the couch. Yeah, that's right there. So if somebody says, Oh, they shot the big one over in that area, there's no more deer. Well, that's crap. Yeah. 
So now there's there are areas, you know, if you scout it and you're not seeing any buck sign, you know, you're not seeing your signpost rubs, you're not seeing scrapes, this and that, and you've you've pounded it pretty good. Well, then don't hang out there because there's probably no bucks there. Hmm. You know, what are you what are you hunting in? You know, are you are you just hunting in open hardwood? Because up here they're probably not going to do it. You know, you got to hunt your transition lines, your bogs, your swamps, and those wet areas are where you're going to find those signpost rubs. You know. Those are the rubs that they're not just, you know, heading around and hooking trees. They're hooking those generation after generation. Mm-hmm. You know, and you find those and they've been freshened up, then all of a sudden, hey, guess what? You're in a good area, you know? So spend some time in there and, and, and do some more, um, you know, scouting because they're, they're going to be there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great, that's a great tip. That really narrows it down for people. Yeah, just don't be don't be afraid to get up there. You know, it's you're, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to see a lot, not just deer. You know, you're going to have a, a good time. You're going to see moose. You're going to see fisher cat. You're going to see bob, I mean bear, bobcats. You know, and and then what what I do too, Ken, which is really important too. If I go into a new area, I do a circle, and I just expand my circles. You know, so I know it's kind of like a search grid. That's my little yeah. search grid, circle. Okay, I don't see a lot of sign here. Okay, let's expand it a little bit more, you know? Yep. And it's all in areas where I think they might be. So, and I do a lot of topographical uh, scouting, too. Like, on, I use Onyx a lot. Sure. Um, so, um, I, I do a lot of scouting on that. So Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and this would be a good time to mention that this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. And Spartan Forge has all of that mapping capability as well, you know, to, to look at just the, go to the topo layer and you can see where those wet areas would be, a little pond or a little marsh, a little swamp. And uh, that's so helpful how you mentioned that. You use that as your ground zero, your focal point that you're going to, you're going to kind of do concentric rings in reverse, you know, getting yep. bigger out Play from the there. You know, I always, I'm still using, I'm having the wind in my face. So typically mm. the wind here is in the Northwest. So if I'm still hunting, you know, because I don't always know, I'm, I'm doing that. But at the same time, I'm keeping the wind to my face. Yeah. Know? The best I can anyway, the wind swirls all the time, especially in the mountains. So, um, you know, just do the best you can. When I'm tracking and I'm on a track, I don't care about the wind per se. Sure. I just got to go with the track. Yep. Now that's, that is super helpful information. Um, one of the things I really like about Brad is how concise he is. He sums it up so perfectly. You can go back and you can listen to, like, if you're new to this, maybe you live out in the East coast, maybe you're like me, you have family out there and you just would like to go out and hunt or you don't have family and you're not from there. You just want to travel out there and see what it's all about. Go back, rewind that part. I know I will. And uh, listen to Brad's exact advice there. There's really no better way I can imagine being coached up on how to get started there than by having your spot you can focus in on and then build out from and just uh, start downloading that information into your brain as as you're going through. Okay, what makes sense here? That's really what a lot of tracking is, 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 you know, asking yourself what makes sense over and over again. And, uh, you know, of course, the more you learn about deer and their behavior 
and uh, what different things mean in the woods, the better you get at doing that. So, man, that is that is great advice. Um, Brad, these conversations are always too short, buddy. And uh, one of these days, I am, when I'm out in New Hampshire, I'm going to swing by and see you. We were actually talking about doing a family trip this uh, summer up your way. I think we were pretty much ready to pull the trigger on a uh, Airbnb in uh, uh, the the Conway area. And yeah. uh, we ended up where everyone said, oh, let's go down to North Carolina instead. So I'll be, I'll be heading to North Carolina at some point this summer, but next time I'm in New Hampshire, we got to make a point either meet halfway or something, but uh, you're, you're a great guy and uh, somebody who I always enjoy talking to somebody who I feel like has got my back. And that, that feels really, really good to, to know that, that you're on my side and, and in my corner. So always appreciate it. You're doing some of the coolest stuff there is. How can people follow along with you and Big Woods Bucks? Uh, so we have uh, Facebook, uh, Big Woods Bucks is on Facebook. Big Woods Bucks is on uh, Instagram. Uh, YouTube is huge. Um, there you can see all our latest videos and uh, the podcast is, mm-hmm. is awesome. I mean, I'm on the team and I just, I re-listen to them and they're just, they're, they're not only informational, these guys are hilarious too. (laughs) That's important too. Um, Just a great group there too on, on the podcast. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And if you're interested in getting wool, you know, I feel the the best wool clothes out there, go to Big Woods Bucks. It's not going to disappoint you, so get out there and get you some. Yeah. Love that. That is, that is awesome. So make sure you follow along there too. And what's your Instagram handle these days? Oh, geez. It's uh New Hampshire. I don't... Well, I will put it in the show. Notes. I'll put all of it in the show notes so you can find it there. I have Instagram pulled up on my computer here. Yes. I know that's weird to view Instagram on your computer, but when you're posting podcasts and put, putting people's uh instagram handles in there you're always on there looking it up before you post so uh let me just look up brad's account here i think it's nh buck tracker if i remember correctly but nh underscore never quit buck tracker so make sure you uh check out uh that and follow him along along the way there you will uh you'll pick up great information just by doing that honestly um, there's just good posts there. And also you'll get fired up. <laughs> you'll want to go do what they're doing because some of the most beautiful scenery and, and, uh, biggest adventures you can have while deer hunting. So thank well, you, thank Brad. You. Thanks, Here. Ken. I appreciate Absolutely. And thank you to everyone for uh, tuning in. Again, this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge has been in my pocket for the past several well i guess two deer seasons now because that's as long as they've been out i was one of the first people to get it and uh, that's because i really believe in it i use it all the time year round Um, i use it more than just for deer hunting i use it for uh, hunting other stuff and uh, like turkeys and pheasants and uh, i also uh, use it for work a lot Um, i even uh, had uh, just uh, this last week my family went on a little hike 
and I couldn't quite figure out how to get to the trailhead that I wanted to get to. And so I pulled up Spartan Forge and I had my wife use it while I drove so that we could get to where we wanted to go. And uh, it was that handy. And then, of course, during deer season, I use it all the time to just see what the predicted deer behavior is going to be like for that day. Or that, should I be hunting a core area? Should I be, uh, you know, hunting a transitional area? Or should I be hunting maybe like on a scrape line because it's a full range day and there's going to be deer moving everywhere? Uh, all that information you can get through downloading the app uh, for Spartan Forge. And remember, the original download is free. You get all the mapping for free, all the landowner data for free. But if you want the deer behavior prediction, if you want some of the other features that go into making that app uh, as powerful as it can be, you're going to have to subscribe to them. Uh, go ahead and do the full year subscription if you're like me or uh, Caleb, who's often on this podcast, also a big Spartan Forge fan. Um, you can uh, subscribe to that for the whole year or just the seasons that you're going to be using it. So uh, make sure you check out Spartan Forge. You can find that link in these show notes or if you go to my Instagram profile and uh click on my uh, link tree in my bio. You'll see it right near the top there. So again, big thanks to Spartan Forge, the presenting sponsor of the First Gen Hunter podcast. And then also our good friend, Alex Gruen over at East West Hunts. Alex was going to be on tonight. Brad knows Alex. He was on the last episode, um, but his daughter's birthday is tonight. So he's got to do, he, he, that's more important. He's got to do, he's got to do uh, his daddy, uh, his daddy duties with that for sure. So he's, uh, he's busy with his daughter's uh, birthday tonight, but head over to East West Hunts if you have a hunt that you need to get set up. Um, we were just talking about a guy that we both uh, kind of know um, who's hunting, and he just did the hunt that Alex and I did last year. And uh, he and his buddy looked like they had a great time, but from what I can tell, no bears uh, to be had, and I'm not even sure if they saw any. Um, that was not the case when Alex planned our hunt. Uh, we, uh, and, and even with running into other hunters that were out there in the same area at the time, a lot of guys were having a really tough time finding bears. And Alex had both me and my good friend, John Rasty on a bear with shot opportunities, uh, by day two in the hunt, just by helping us with, with, uh, giving us waypoints where to look, um, and, uh, just coaching us up on what we got to do to be able to get an opportunity to bear and uh we would not have come home with a bear had it not been for alex's help so you need to talk to alex go to east west hunts use the promo code first gen 10 save yourself 10 percent, and you roll that into either the new project that brad's working on that's going to be released on the big woods box website or uh, use that money to maybe pick up some of the world's finest wool for hunting and uh, you can also get that at the big wood bucks big woods buck uh bucks wow big woods bucks website and uh you can uh check that out and see what it's all about there but thank you so much for tuning in please remember to leave that five star review if you haven't yet love getting that also the comments are great as well and even better yet is if you just reach out to me and uh uh, let me know what you need to hear about. Love uh, being able to help you out in that way or tell me what you like or maybe what you don't like about the podcast and uh, be happy to have those conversations with you. You are the best part of this show. That's why I do it week after week, episode after episode. It's for you, the people, and a little bit for me because, you know, I get to talk to cool people like Brad. But anyways, until next time, everyone, take care and take someone hunting.